you like, you can find uh, Mark chapter 14 uh, in your Bibles. We'll be at least beginning there tonight. Mark chapter 14, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for not only keeping us safely today, but we thank you for keeping us safely through another year. What a blessing it is to know your presence and your strength and your keeping from the first day down to this last day of the year. Great is your faithfulness. We pray that you would help us tonight as we look into your word together to be encouraged as we end this year and as we look forward to 2024. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look at the calendar for 2023, you see something that is not only interesting, but it's really wonderful if you stop and think about it. This year began on Sunday, January 1st. And it ends on Sunday, December 31st. I find that to be a blessing. Now, it isn't something that's never happened before. It happened in 2017. It happened in 2006. Happened in 1995 and 1989. It'll happen again, Lord willing, in 2034. 2045, 2051. There's a cycle here. Um, and I haven't gone all the way back in time, and I haven't gone all the way ahead for years and years and years. But the cycle for this seems to be six years in between, followed by two 11-year periods in between. So 2017, six years later, 2023, then 11 years later, 2034, 11 years later, 2045, six years later, 2051, and so on. Now, I mention this for two reasons. First of all, it shows that our God is a God of order. He's a God of order. He's a God of pattern. He's a God of perfection. Time shows us this. God has given us time. I know we don't always think this way. We won't think this way Tuesday morning probably. But God has given us time for our blessing, for our good. Think of the order and consistency and direction that time brings to our lives. I was thinking about all of the astronauts that have gone into space. And every one of them that's gone has depended on God's established order of time. Their safe return, whether it be from the moon or from the earth, 
are orbit, orbiting the earth is, is based in the case of the moon, um, based on the moon and the earth being in precise, exact positions as established by God. And being in those positions at precise, exact times as established by God. And so then at the, at the exact, precise time, these astronauts could fire their rockets and come back to Earth. And if they didn't fire their retro rockets at the exact, precise time, believe it or not, they would miss the Earth. We find that to be incredible. How do you miss something that big? But they would have missed it. But it's not just astronauts in space. Our physical lives here on Earth would be in chaos and confusion if God had not established time and allowed man to enter into the time that he established, the time that he established in the beginning, the number of seconds in a minute, the number of minutes in an hour, the number of hours in a day, the number of days in a week, in a month, in a year. Time. Very, very important. In fact, the first three words in the first verse of the Word of God, in the beginning, are a statement of God's establishment of time. There are men, I don't say that there's a lot of them, but there's a number of them who have done a tremendous amount of study of just that one verse, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. The depth of it is amazing. Dr. Henry Morris describes it this way. In the beginning, that's time. God created the heavens, that's space. And the earth, that's matter. Time, space, and matter. And I believe that time is mentioned first in that order for a reason. Although God created time, space, and matter at the same instant, I believe time is mentioned first. Because just as time is essential to our physical lives, it is far more essential to our spiritual lives. Our spiritual lives are characterized by the chaos and the confusion of sin. And God dealt with our sin, with all of its chaos and all of its confusion, when the fullness of the time was come. Because it was then, the fullness of the time, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. And the redemption of man by the Lord Jesus was planned 
by God down to the hour. From his birth to his death to his resurrection. His birth came when the fullness of the time was come. That's what we've been celebrating. The choir's been singing about, celebrating the Savior. It's what we've been talking about this Christmas season. The fullness of the time. His death came when the fullness of the time was come. There were times when the Lord Jesus said, Mine hour is not yet come. Mine hour is not yet come. And then we come to Luke chapter 22. And we read in verse 14, when the hour was come, he sat down with his disciples to eat the last Passover and to establish the Lord's Supper. Now look at Mark chapter 14, if you will, beginning in verse 32. We read about the Lord and his agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we read how he took Peter and James and John. And in verse 34, he told them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And three times the Lord left them and went and prayed to his father that if it were possible, to let this cup pass from him. And the Lord Jesus closed each of those prayers with the same words. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And you remember that each time the Lord came back to Peter and James and John and he found them asleep. Now look at Mark chapter 14 and verse 41. And he cometh the third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. The hour is come. Notice those words. And the exactness of this hour. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go. Lo, he that betrayeth me is at hand. And immediately, immediately while he yet spake, came Judas. The Lord's betrayal was at a precise hour. A precise hour. His crucifixion was at a precise hour. Look across the page at Mark chapter 15. And look at verse 25. And it was the third hour and they crucified him. The Jewish day, as we've talked before, began at 6 a.m. And so the crucifixion began at 9 a.m. The third hour would be 9 a.m. Precise time, the ninth hour, the third hour. Look at verse 33. And when the sixth hour was come, the sixth hour is 12 noon. 
Beginning at precisely 12 noon, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, exactly 3 p.m. And during those three hours of darkness, God made the Lord Jesus Christ to be sin for us. He laid on him the iniquity of us all. He laid on him my sin and your sin and the sin of every person who has ever lived or who will live in the future. And he poured out his wrath, his eternal wrath and his eternal judgment against our sin on his innocent son. His innocent son. And it was exactly three hours. Because three in the Bible is the number of completion. And the Lord Jesus was completely forsaken of God in these three hours as we see in verse 34. It's at the ninth hour, at the end of those three hours of darkness, that he cried with a loud voice, My God, my God, why? Hast thou forsaken me? My God, my God, that is the cry of a sinner. And the Lord Jesus gave that cry not for his sin. He had no sin. He knew no sin. He did no sin. He cried as you and me, sinners. It's at the ninth hour, at the end of those three hours of darkness, that the Lord Jesus says, it is finished. It is finished. Three of the most glorious words in all of language. Because the work of redemption was complete. And there was nothing left to do. The price had been paid. His blood had been shed. And his work was accepted by the Father because it's at the ninth hour, at the end of those three hours of darkness, that the Lord Jesus says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. The relationship between Father and Son, the glory which the Lord Jesus had with the Father before the world was, was restored. His cry was no longer, my God, my God. His cry was, Father, Father. Because the one sacrifice for sins forever had been made. Have you believed that message tonight? You've lived another year. You've lived another year. Are you going to live another one? The Bible says that we're not to boast ourselves of even tomorrow. Tomorrow. Because we know not what a day may bring forth. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus came when the fullness of the time was come. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, the Lord Jesus, when 
the Pharisees came and, and they said, Master, we would see a sign from you. We talked about this first last week, um, maybe last Sunday night. Because the sign at the Lord's birth was the swaddling clothes that he would be wrapped in. The swaddling clothes, death clothes, grave clothes. And so in perfect harmony, when the Lord Jesus was asked to give these Pharisees a sign, he said, I'll give you a sign. As Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. We've talked over the years about this. The Passover was the 14th day of the first month. It was on Wednesday. And between 3 p.m. and just before 6 p.m., in those three hours, the body of Jesus is taken down and prepared for burial, wrapped in grave clothes, in his death, just as he was at his birth, because that's why he came. That's why he came, to die for my sin and your sin. So his body is prepared for burial by Joseph and Nicodemus. And at sunset, just before 6 p.m., the uh, Passover started that day at 6 o'clock. Just before 6 p.m., the Lord's body is placed in the grave. And then at 6 p.m., this, this high Sabbath, that Sabbath was a high day. The first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread begins. And so the Lord is buried at 6 p.m. on Wednesday. In the evening, evening, remember how days are defined in Genesis chapter 1, how the 24 days are, are, are defined? Evening and morning were the first day. Evening and morning were the second day. We're talking about time and the importance of it. Evening and morning were the third day and so on. And we wonder why. Why is the Lord defining time that way? Because he's getting us ready for the three days and three nights that the Lord Jesus is going to be in the heart of the earth. He's buried at 6 p.m. on Wednesday or just before, and at 6 a.m. on Thursday, he's been in the heart of the earth one night. At 6 p.m. on Thursday, he's been in the heart of the earth one day. At 6 a.m. on Friday, he's been in the heart of the earth two nights. At 6 p.m. on Friday, he's been in the heart of the earth now two days. At 6 a.m. on Saturday, he's been in the heart of the earth three nights. And at 6 p.m. on Saturday, he's been in the heart of the earth three days. As Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, even so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The Jewish day ended at 6 p.m. on that Saturday. The Lord rose from the dead just after 6 p.m. 
which would be on Sunday, the first day of the week. The 17th day of the first month, Sir Robert Anderson, who is a chronologist, and a very special chronologist because he was a chronologist when he didn't have a computer to help him out. But he wrote in his book, The Coming Prince, something of the significance of the 17th day of the first month. He says it's the same day that the renewed earth emerged from the waters of the flood. It's the same day that God's redeemed people from Egypt emerged from the waters of the Red Sea. And it's the day that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. All of this is why time is so important. It shows the order and it shows the perfection of our God. The other reason that time is important is that it teaches us to number our days. To number our days. At the end of every year, we tend to think about that, don't we? How many times have you heard today or yesterday, where has this year gone? Where has this year gone? We always think about that, don't we? Where's it gone? I mean, it just seems like yesterday that we were here. On January the 1st, 2023, in a service just exactly like this. And now here we are, the last day of 2023. Thinking like that causes us to number our days. We're running out of them. At the end of every year, we think about that. Moses thought about that. I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 90, if you would. Psalm 90. We read in the, the words just below the psalm number that this is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. And notice how Moses describes how quickly time passes. And he, he does it in an interesting way. Look at verse 4. For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. A thousand years, Peter tells us, over in 2 Peter chapter 3, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as a sleep in the morning. They are like grass which groweth up. I'm talking about a thousand years. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. When we read these words that describe how short a thousand years is, 
in the Lord's sight. We think about how short our little lives are. And it brings to mind what James wrote. In James chapter 4 and verse 14, he says, For what is your life? For what is your life? Your, our, our life has been compared to a lot of things. One of the most sobering is the dash on a tombstone. The dash on a tombstone. That's what your life is. For what is your life? It is even a vapor. This is the time of year when we can see vapors. Steam, it's hot, it hits the air, it becomes very visible. And God says, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time. Watch vapor, how long does it appear? Not long. It's there and then it's gone. Moses compares it to something else here. It's about as long as a tail that is told. Our life is about as long as a story that somebody would sit down and tell. It takes a few minutes to do that. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, a little time, and then vanisheth away. And the reason that this year, 2023, stands out is because we, we had an unusual opportunity this year. We had the opportunity to begin this year on Sunday, January 1st, by not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, by gathering in the name of the Lord Jesus with his promise that he's here in the midst of us. And we had the opportunity to end this year in the same way, on Sunday, December 31st. And every Sunday in between, we had that same opportunity. Did we take advantage of it in 2023? Did we take full advantage of it? People get sick and other providential things come up that keep us from coming to church, we understand all that. That's not what we're talking about. How many times did we just in our rebellion say, I just don't think I'm going tonight. Or I don't think I'm going this morning. We had this opportunity in this, this interesting year. This book ended by two Sundays. I just kept, couldn't help but think about all the Sundays in between. Did we take advantage? Did we come together and have with the, take advantage of the opportunity to meet with the Lord? He's here. He's here. He was here every single service this year. Did we take advantage of that? 2023, a year that has as its bookends the Lord's Day. Meeting with Him at the beginning. Meeting with Him at the end. That's important because it's here in this place that we hear the message of verse 12. 
a message that we need to hear at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year and every day in between. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. By the way, how many days can we number? One. Today. Today. That's the only day that we can number. It's the day that we have. We're not promised tomorrow. Yesterday's gone. The day that we can number is today. It's the day that the Lord's made. We can rejoice and be glad in it. And we can occupy and use our time in every day that he numbers and gives to us for his glory. That ought to be our resolution for 2024. Teach us to number our days. And the days aren't easy. The days aren't easy. 2023 has not been an easy year here at Calvary Memorial Church. Two of our staff members, three of our church family, have gone to be with the Lord. As we told the staff a little earlier this month, as we think about those who've gone before us, it's important to remember that things have not come to an end, but to an interval. Things have not come to an end, but to an interval. And this interval that you and I are living in, those who are left, this interval is going to end very soon. Could end at any day. So I were to number our days that we might incline our hearts unto wisdom. This interval is going to end and we'll be reunited with our loved ones, with our brothers and sisters in Christ who've gone before us. By the way, they don't want to come back. <laughs> they do not want to come back. But in the meantime... Life in the interval goes on. We got to live in the interval. And it's not easy. It's not easy because it's spiritual warfare. Paul described it as having to experience the fiery darts of the wicked. Peter described it as fiery trials. And it takes place every moment of every day. Spiritual warfare. And then there are the physical issues that we face. We have folks who have faced surgeries this year, medical treatments this year, physical pain. I've spent my mornings this year with uh, Vance Habner through his little devotional book, All the Days. And I believe you can get that book on Amazon and I would recommend it to you if you're looking for a good devotional. It's one little devotional scripture and his thoughts, one, one for every day of the year. And he has some thoughts about life in the interval. And this is what he said. 
Be not surprised if doubts and fears assail you. They're to be expected. Peter said, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials that are to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. They're not to be the exception, they're the rule. He says you cannot avoid being attacked, and if you are sore beset, remember that the book has told you they will come. It's not wrong to be the target of their own slaughters, but you need not be overcome by them. It means that you're in real conflict and dangerous enough to the devil to bring on his hostility. You ever thought about that? Are we dangerous to the devil? Does he regard us as dangerous? Or does he just say, I'm not worried about him. Not worried about her. If you wonder why they seem to increase as you go on and grow older, it's because the fight gets hotter as you grow in grace and it never lets up. But greater is he that is in you than all your adversaries. You are pressed by many a foe so that you may be all the more helpful to others. Your fellow soldiers who are not shadow boxing, but are in the thick of the fight. Now there's something that Vance Havner says here that we'll think about for just a minute. He says if you wonder why they, they, the doubts, the fears, the attacks, the hostility of the devil, the trouble that comes to our lives on every side, the fightings without, the fears within. If you wonder why they seem to increase as you go on and grow older, it is because the fight gets hotter as you grow in grace and it never lets up it never lets up you don't have any good news for 2024 (laughs) that is the good news because in the midst of the fight it, it, it is a comfort to know that the devil considers us to be dangerous he considers us to be a problem for his plan and executing his plan here in the world Vance Havner's right. And that means that life in the interval, if we continue to serve the Lord, is going to get hotter in 2024. Because his return is getting closer. And the the evil men and seducers are going to wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And he mentions something else. There, two words, growing older. If you wonder why they seem to increase as you go on and grow older. Moses talks about growing older here in verse 10. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. It's going to get hotter. It never lets up. For it is soon cut off 
and we fly away. And you don't have to be 70 or 80 to be growing older. Growing old is not confined to people like me. Every person in this room is growing older. And in 2024, Lord willing, you're going to be another year older. And there's a danger for the believer in growing older. Let's talk about that end first. And that's slowing down. Retiring. Heading to the sidelines. I cannot find the word retire in the Bible. I've looked. I cannot find the word retire used in the context of withdrawing from ministry for the Lord. Our ministry may change as we get older due to some physical limitation. But retiring from ministry for the Lord is not here in the book. Now I want to show you a verse that I believe addresses both ends of the spectrum. Turn back to Joshua chapter 13, if you will. Joshua chapter 13. Joshua chapter 13. And look at verse 1. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. According to the chronology in in my Bible, he was probably about 86 years old uh, at this time, give or take maybe a year or two. Now Joshua Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and you've had it. It's time for you to head to the porch and get in your rocking chair. That's not what the Lord said, is it? Now Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. Joshua, you may be old and stricken in years, but there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. What does that mean, folks? It means battle. That's what it means. It means war. Joshua, you're old and stricken in years, But I expect you to go to war. I expect you to engage in the spiritual warfare that needs to take place. And then there was another battle that that had to be fought. After the land was possessed, it had to be divided. The inheritance had to be divided. You ever been involved in anything like that? You talk about trouble. You start dividing an inheritance to people. And here's Joshua, old and stricken in years, and the Lord's just sending him right out there again to battle. 
there was work to do for the Lord. And God's message to old Joshua was fight on. Fight on. That's his message to his people today. It's his message to us tonight. This last book in Sunday of 2023. You're either old or you're getting old. I said we were going to look at this verse and it addresses both ends of the spectrum. The old end of the spectrum. Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. But let's look at the other end of the spectrum. Some, some of you young people, you can put your name in here. You're not old and stricken in years. You're young. But that doesn't mean you can't serve the Lord. He doesn't say, well, you're young. There's nothing that you can do. Look at Samuel. He was a child. And yet the Lord called his name. I love that song Gordon Greer sings. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. I am but a child. He's singing about Samuel. I am but a child, but thou hast called my name. There must be a work for me to do today. That's true for you young people. There remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. The Lord doesn't put you on the sidelines because you're young. He wants to put you in the heat of the battle. You're either old or you're getting old. It doesn't matter. The message is the same. There remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. What the church of Jesus Christ needs, what this church needs, are believers who will enter 2024, no matter our age, but believers who will say, fight on, fight on. Believers who will identify with what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Believers who will be steadfast, unmovable in 2024, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Every day of the year that the Lord numbers and gives us, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this amazing book that you've given to us. We thank you for the things that you teach us about time here. We thank you most of all for the fullness of time when you sent your Son to be our Savior. When you sent your Son to go to the cross of Calvary to take our sin upon himself and shed his blood that we might have life. We pray that if there's anyone here tonight that doesn't know you as their Savior, that right now, right where they are, they would humble their heart and let this day be the beginning of days for them, the beginning of years, as they trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Father, if we know you tonight, Help us to number our days. Help us to be thankful for every day that you give us. And help us to go forth every day of this new year 
with the attitude of heart, with the message from heaven, there's much land to be possessed. There's much work to do here at Calvary Memorial Church, here at Calvary Christian School, at the Christian bookstore, all of the ministries that go out from this place. There's work to be done. And you want us to do it. And we look to you for the strength to do it in this coming year. And we ask it in Jesus' name.